Good morning. My name is Efren Peña, and I am the campus pastor here at uh, Southfield Santa Clarita. Uh, we are one campus of many, one church, many campuses, and uh, we believe to have a great church, you need to have uh, awesome coffee and uh, yummy donut holes. And so if you have not had our coffee or tasted our yummy donut holes, then now is your time to go get it. And uh, uh, you can pop them in your mouth as I, uh, as I preach. And as long as you don't show me it, we're good. All right? <clears throat> we are in this new series. Oh, we are. Today we conclude our series uh, titled New. We've been going over it over the last uh, four or five weeks here. And it's been an incredible series. Uh, but for the sake of those who probably are visiting us for the first time here, uh, we want to just give you a little backstory of what that is, what this series has been about, uh, and jump into the last part of it. So we have been talking about the New Testament, the New Testament. The New Testament begins with the, with the story of Jesus, who uses uh, the word new a lot, right? He interprets the old, familiar passages of Scripture in revolutionary new ways, and turns the religious community of the time upside down. He spoke of a new covenant, a new commandment, a new way of living. So what does that actually mean for us as believers today? Uh, and how, do we, how does that have the potential to change our lives moving forward? Right? And so we've been talking about that over the last several weeks. And this morning's uh, last and final uh, series or title uh, for this series is uh, the new body, the new body, right? Um, and as always, I like to get your, your, your creative juices flowing here with a question. And that question is, have you ever had uh, something, right, uh, that you were passionate about, whether it was a person or a, a thing or maybe a series of books or a movie or a time in history, right, that you were passionate about and that you were absolutely sure that you knew all about it, right? Whether that's a person, a, 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 a series, a, a books, or music, whatever the case may be, something that you were passionate about, right, and you were absolutely sure you knew everything there was to know about it. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something is said, Something is revealed, something happens, an event occurs that reveals this person, place, or thing that you were once so passionate about, that you were once so sure that you knew pretty much everything there was to know about it is now revealed in a whole new way. In a whole new way. It's as if all of the pieces finally fall into place and you feel like you're experiencing this thing. This person in a whole new light, right? This new knowledge has changed your perception. I'll give you some examples about it. Uh, maybe uh, it's discovering a story or a past about your parents that you never knew before. Mm, juicy stuff. I'll give you an example. I'll dig a little bit deeper. There was a time where... My mom, my mom and my dad divorced when I was real young. I think I was two years old. And I didn't pay no mind to it, right? And it wasn't until I got to a teenager when I actually looked at my birth certificate and realized my dad was an alien. 
No, just kidding. I just, I wanted to check you, just check it if you're with me here. Just check it. I realized that my dad was 64 years old when I was born. That's right up there with the alien, right? <laughs> he was 64 years old. Go dad. Go dad, right? And my mom was just 29. But like, mom, what happened here? Like, like, he didn't have no money, mom. Like, something went wrong. So, again, a story of insight, information that, that you thought you knew about your life. And then I saw a picture of when I was a little kid celebrating my first birthday. And my dad, I'm standing next to him. So, I'm one years old, right? And at that time, my mom thought it was cute to put white shorts, white shirt, a white jacket on me, right? And a little, little hat. And, and right next to me is my dad, who... People thought it was my grandfather, all right? So it changes things. It changes perspective. Maybe it's going back to a series of movies uh, to see uh, where all of the threads that led to the ultimate conclusion, like Avengers 98, right? You know, it's just you go back and you see, and you know, oh, 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 now I get it, right? Or learning the background of your favorite author, and discovering how their, their personal history is intertwined throughout their novels. A casual conversation with a person that they knowledge drop on a topic that you never knew they were interested in, right? That you, that it, you're like, really? This leads to deeper conversations about that topic and, and new insight. See, there's, there's a word for this. The, the, uh, for these sudden new insights, new views of a person, and it's called epiphany, right? Epiphany, a, a, an illuminating discovery, a realization or a disclosure, a revealing scene or moments. For many of us, these can be a jolting moment. We thought we knew a person or, or where a story was going, and then bam, brick wall, a U-turn, a right turn, and something takes on a completely different life or a different path. Sometimes these epiphanies can navigate, uh, excuse me, sometimes these epiphanies can have negative connotations, especially if we feel betrayed or lied to. We don't want to make light of these moments, but for the sake of the series that we're currently in, let's focus on the tension that comes with new information that has the potential to alter our lives in a much positive, a better, a, a positive, uh, in a positive way. If we're honest, none of us like that jolt, but we have to admit that sometimes this new information comes with a thought of, man, that's so cool. That's, that's, that's so cool. Or, or, man, I didn't see that coming, but, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. Or now, now it all makes sense, right? We've all had these moments and have had to feel the tension that builds around it. But truth of the matter is that we're, we were not the first person or the first people to feel or go through this. These epiphany moments that seem to change everything started a little bit before us. The, the early church struggled with this idea of seeing 
what was old in a new light. So many things about life and faith that they understood, now they were seeing, suddenly seeing it in, in a new light, in a new perspective, in light of Jesus' own words and miracles. Again, Jesus jumps onto the scene and brings about something new, something different. They had to reshape their thinking so, so that it made sense, not just to them, but to the world that they were going to be sent out into and commissioned to talk about. But here's the thing, we're gonna, we, we need to slowly and carefully unpack a couple of statements that, that Jesus makes because I don't believe that initially the disciples connected the dots. I don't think they quite understood what was taking place at this moment of what they, have, they, what they had, had known, what Jesus came to do, and what they were being commissioned to, to share. We know that years later they did, and, and that was probably the, probably the motivating factor for these eyewitness accounts that we have written down, um, that they have written down on separate accounts, but they struggled with this, Right? So let's start with a very bold statement that Jesus made. A very bold statement that Jesus made, which is recorded in in the modern Bible only once. And that is found in the the Gospel of Luke. It's on the screen here, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're going to start with verse 14. It says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine, gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lastly, in verse 20, after the supper he took, this is where it gets interesting. After the supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Now, for those of you who have been reading scriptures for, for quite a bit now, right, and you know your gospel stories, you're probably thinking, but that's the same dialogue that is written and recorded in Mark and Matthew. And that's true. But Luke includes one word in there. He includes the word new. For Luke, this phrase was critical because he himself was not there. He himself was not there. He was talking to those that were and building the story of Jesus. Whether the others omitted that particular word, new, or not, the implication here is that this, this what Jesus is doing, what Jesus is saying, is new. So what is Jesus referring to here? He's going back to something that is recorded back in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. Uh, We're going to read that right now. Exodus 24. 
It says in verse 6, Moses drained half the blood from these animals into the basins. The other half he splattered against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud uh, to the people. Again, they all responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. Verse 8, then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it all over the people, declaring, look, this blood confirms the covenant of the Lord, has, which uh, covenant the Lord has made with you in giving you these instructions. So, after we get out of this three scene from 300, the movie, right? The blood splattering everywhere. For those of you who watch, yeah, some of you watch, not everybody, I get it, right? This graphic story is one of the few times that God makes a covenant, right, with a whole set, a whole group of people rather than just one individual. So up until this time, God has been making covenants with individuals. And this is the first time that God makes a covenant now with an entire set, entire group of people. In this moment, the blood that splatters, that Moses splatters, becomes the symbol that unites the people to their word and to God's word. So that blood is, a, is, is, is what ties this covenant, this, this promise with God's people and with God. Now, there are two important things that I want you to know from this segment here. Number one, because Jesus came to fulfill the law, part of what he is saying, right, part of what he is saying is that any further shedding of blood will be on him. In other words, his atoning sacrifice will be all that the people need. They don't need anything else. They don't need anything else. And number two, much like, the, like giving the new commandments, Jesus states that this new covenant is about him. He is the new covenant. All right? So those are two things that are, that are super important for us to understand here. This sacrifice is nothing less than blasphemy. It's nothing less than blasphemy in the eyes of the Jews. Fortunately, right, he did not say this in front of them, right? He did not say this in front of them or anyone that, 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 that actually will cause insult, right? He talked this amongst his friends, his people, right? People that he trusted. Well, 11 of them anyway. One of them he could not trust, right? Um, so he spoke this in front of them. This act of Moses was to seal the deal with the people who had just heard the law from God. It also served as a reminder that they were about to enter into the land that God had promised Abraham and the covenant that included the people of God being a blessing to this world. All right? Here's the deal. This new covenant came with the good news of forgiveness, grace, Atonement, access to God, all of the things that the the, uh, epistles speak of and all of the new that Jesus brought that they tried to wrap their heads around. This new thing that was coming had all of this incredible, all of these incredible blessings. So let's let's put a push pin right here. For a moment and look back at another statement of Jesus. Actually, this one here was the last one 
he made here on earth. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Matthew 28. It'll be on the screen here, starting with verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples, 11, right, 11, disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Then he goes on in Acts 1 and says, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This right here is the Great Commission. The Great Commission. And if you've been coming to church, you've been, you know, for a while, you've been reading your word, this is, this, that's what it's called, the Great Commission. We should look closely at the phrase Jesus uses that we may see it in a different light of the new that he brought. Jesus says to go and make disciples and teach them all that he has commanded them to do. Go and make disciples and teach them all that he has commanded them to do. In this one statement, Jesus is reminding them of what they know, of what they have learned, of what they have seen and heard, that all of it was new. All of it was new. New commandments, new covenants, a new way of seeing life and reacting to others. In the Acts account, he includes that this new message needs to be taken to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, this new message needs to be taken to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your workplaces, to your schools, to your local community, to your nation, everywhere. What the disciples did not see right away was that this commissioning wasn't anything new, but a new way of looking at the original intent at God's original intent, right, of the connection with his people through Abraham. So none of this was was really new, right? But it was being brought out back into the light with a new touch, with a new sense of, 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 of authority, with a new sense of understanding. Basically, we're saying you need to be a blessing to the world. You need to be a blessing to the world. Church, the commandment, the commandment to love made the covenant to bless come full circle. It was the epiphany of this new way of thinking that connected, the, uh, connected to an old familiar story. The new way of thinking was to bless the world, not by making people conform to the law, but by rather loving them inclusively. So 
basically, let's not get caught up with the law. Let's not try to get people caught up with trying to uh, find their way in the law and try to conform to it, but rather through love, through loving people, can we get people connected to Jesus. Paul, who connected the dots years later, puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to mark this down uh, in your notes here. Write it down so you can read it later on your own time because I think this is an incredible piece of scripture here. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That right then and there is like, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I need to stop doing that. that, that that's, that's for me, right? At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling, to the, uh, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In other words, Christ has died for us. He is the sacrifice that enables us to now be connected to God. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we're no longer being held accountable for our previous sins. Those sins have been washed away. We now have this new life because of Jesus. And not only do we have this new life, we have been given a ministry. Each and every single one of us has been given a ministry, a commissioning, if you would, to carry that reconciliation, right? That new covenant where the blood of Christ was the final sacrifice. We have been given that ministry and we're called to take that reconciliation, that message of forgiveness out into the world as Christ's ambassadors. What does that mean for us to be ambassadors of this ministry of reconciliation? The word reconciliation in Greek means to exchange, right? To exchange, to place a new value to. So what are we exchanging here? What is actually being exchanged? At one level, it is exchanging the life we once knew for one that is brand new. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we're, we're doing an exchange. We're saying, here is my old life, God. Through this act of reconciliation, you are forgiving me, and in return, you are giving me a new life. 
I don't know what the exchange policies in the stores that you go to, but that's pretty cool to me. Take this old, raggedy, beat-up, non-working life and give me something new, fresh, and good. And that's one level. And on the other side of it, this exchange means that we bring hope to a person without hope. That grace and love to someone, uh, we bring grace and love to someone who may never have experienced that before. As an ambassador of Christ, we get to bring hope to someone who finds himself without hope. We get to bring grace. We get to bring love. Why is it so important to let love be the motivating factor here? Well, because we may have to help people see some very troubling things in their life. Love is the foundation through which we navigate some really sticky sin issues in our own lives and in the lives of others. Make no mistake about it, we have been called to repentance. We have been called to steer away from sin, right? To ask forgiveness for the times that we have failed, the times that we have missed hitting the mark. There are still guidelines and rules uh, and guardrails such as moral laws that, uh, uh, that we have to be aware of and follow through with. All of us. Every single person in this room has sinned and fallen short of the righteousness of God. And we have the responsibility for each other when it comes to this. We have a commitment to be a light to the world that we live in. We have a commitment to be a light in our workplaces. We have a commitment to be a light in our homes, in our families. We have a commitment to be a light in the schools, in the community, Right? To share our stories together, to love in the grace of this new commandment and covenant, and to be a place where sin issues are worked through in such a way that uh, the value of the person is never lost. In other words, we are here to help people get through this journey of life and we're not to, to call out their sins, we're to help them through their sins and the only way we can help them through their sins is, and on our sins as well is with love and grace. Too often though, instead of bringing hope to a mourning world, we ask that the world come to us and let us sit in judgment of their sin and offer some kind of atonement based on our own views and interpretations rather than loving them through their own coming to faith journey. In other words, we sit in our nice comfy chairs and say, did you see that person there? Oh, they are sinners. I can't wait to tell them what they're doing wrong. Sounds funny, but that is the reality of what people are doing in church today. I'm reminded of the movie Monsters, Inc. Right? Not calling you monsters. Stop. 
putting words in my mouth. But I'm reminded of that story where, where, where they're in the factory and they're opening doors, right? And in the door is another realm of where the kid is at, right? And the monsters are walking in, boo, right? And they're scaring the kids out. And, and so I, I'm reminded that uh, in this moment right here, what if I opened your door? Oh, now it ain't funny, right? Now it's not. Nobody's laughing now. But what if I opened the door to your world, to your sinful life? I didn't say it. Is it better for me to open that door and say, man, give me a hug. Let's do this together. Or is it better if I called out your sin right there? Ooh, that is ugly. That's not right. Shame on you. Right? Think about that. For many in the church, we cannot reconcile our own mixed model way of thinking that we don't stop to ask, what does the new commandment of love look like in this situation? What does the new commandment of love look like to share grace, to share love with people in their current status of life? What does the new covenant of Jesus' sacrifice being a one and done so that we can bless the world look like? So let me wrap up this message and this series with a few moments here of just thinking. I'm almost on time here. Key word, almost. Jesus came to earth because God sent him here. God sent his one and only son as the ultimate sacrifice to connect his word with us. And he said, man... I'm going to show you how much I love thee by giving the thing that values the most to me. I'm going to send my son in the flesh to pay the ransom, to share with the world a new testament, a new covenant, a new way of doing things, a new way of living life. Have my laws and, and, and those things changed? No, not really. I still want you to live a life accordingly. But I don't want to call you out on what you're doing wrong. I don't want to alienate you. I don't want to separate you. I don't want to point fingers at you. What I really want to do is I want to embrace you. I want to wrap my arms around you. Love on you and tell you it's going to be okay. And so I want my son to teach you this new way, this new thing. And I want you to understand it, that I am all about grace and love.
You see, we cannot come to an understanding uh, mentally, spiritually, physically to live according to this life that God wants us to, that he desires for us to live. In other words, this, this, the best life that we can live here on earth, we cannot come to terms with that until we understand that God comes first through grace and love. Grace and love is very powerful, church. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands and thousands of people walking this earth. Like the little kid from the peanuts with that cloud over his head. Talking about, I don't have anything done right can't get this right. I suck. Life stinks. Who's going to love me? Who's going to accept me? I'm a sinner. I make mistakes all the time. Church, I know people like that. And I'm pretty sure you know people like that. Why do we choose to add to the cloud when we've been called to do away with the cloud and bring light, bring hope, grace, and love? Why do we choose to hit people when they're down instead of picking them up? What if we us, what if we became a place, a people, a church, a community where people came to connect the dots in life? Where people who walk down the street that are trying to figure life out can come in judgment free and say, man, how, how do I get from dot A to dot B? I can't even see dot C, but can I just get to dot A? Can someone help me get to dot A and B? What if we were a place where our love is so profound that when we saw, when, 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 when the new comes, it is like the last piece of the puzzle when the whole picture is laid out before someone? What if we were that place? And when they finally come through, they realize, man, this is what, what I've needed. This is what I've been missing. What if we allowed people to experience something new in their life and work out their salvation in here with us? Without the separation as, oh, here's my credentials. I've been serving the Lord for 22 years. I have studies in this, 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 and that. Who are you? What do you study? What do you have? Quite honestly, who cares? Who actually cares? When what's at stake here is really the salvation of someone who is lost. Someone who doesn't find 
or has not found their way to Christ. Someone who is lost. Does it really matter how many commandments you have memorized or followed? Does it really matter how much scripture you actually know? It's really about grace and love, people. How can we as a church share this incredible blessing that Jesus came to give us? Grace and love. How can we love people even though they don't look like us, think like us, act like us, dress like us, speak like us? What if we decided as a church that we were going to do everything possible to not live our life that way? And do everything possible to create a church, an environment where it was solely based on the fact of loving people inclusively. Despite the color of their skin, despite how many numbers, zeros are attached to their income, despite what level of education they have, despite where they live, despite what they have or do not have. What if we just made it our business to love people? Not because I said so, but because that is what Jesus wanted us to do. To be a light to share this new covenant, to forgive people, to bring about grace and love to others. We have been asking, what is the faith of the next generation worth? It's all that, church. It's worth everything we've got. Everything we've got for the sake of our children, for the sake of our neighbor's children, for the sake of our family members, for the sake of our grandchildren, for the sake of of, of the students at the high schools and the universities, for the sake of every person that that is going to be commissioned to go out into the world and share the gospel of love and grace. That's what it's worth. It's worth everything to us that are sitting here. Because right next to you should be a person that you have a relationship that today finds themselves outside of God's love and grace. We should be doing everything possible that we can do to share this grace and love with our family members, our neighbors, co-workers. Sharing with someone this morning 
my heart to see a filled, packed church has nothing to do with numbers and the sense of, you know, individual count. My heart seeing a packed church is really all about seeing the kingdom of God grow. Seeing the people that I love, that I have relationship with, come into a relationship with Jesus. I think this would be a healthy way of helping the next generation engage their faith. If what we did, we did through the lens of love in an atmosphere of love during an embrace of love. This new thing that Jesus came to do and is doing today has to be done through love. We cannot continue to make division a part of the plan. We have to embrace people where they are at in this season of life. We have to love people for who they are and trust that God will do what only God can do. Last time I checked, last time I checked, I don't bring salvation to people. I could do a lot of things, but salvation is not one of them. But I can love people. I don't have the purpose for each person's life. That's God-ordained. But I can share the grace that has been given to me. I can share that forward. God has called us to be Christ ambassadors, not the judge and the jury. He's not called you to hit people with the Bible. Sorry. He's not called you to point fingers at people and say, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong. That's definitely wrong. He's called us to line up ourselves with people, be a light into their world, bring about grace and love. Can we do that, church? Can we be the ambassadors that God, that Christ is calling us to be simply by just bringing about grace and love. If you're willing to toe the line with me and take a step forward from this moment forward to do everything possible to bring grace and love to your world, whether that be in your home, your family members, your BFFFs, because a lot of you don't stop at BFF, your BFFs, your workplaces, in your schools, 
if you're willing to toe the line and you say, man, I heard you, Pastor E. I get it. Would you stand with me today? And let's make this statement of faith that we're going to love people, that we're going to show people grace. Amen. Amen. That's not you. Don't stand up. It's cool. I get it. But if you're willing to toe this line and say, man, I'm going to love people and I'm going to showcase this incredible gift of grace and love to my world, to the people that I have relationship with, to the people that I do life with. And today, it's all about that commitment that you are making, that we're making to each other in front of other people. No longer to bring up people's past, their sinful life, and and put it on the marquee, but instead to just love people and say, man, can I can I give you a hug? I just want to hug you. I want to link arms with you. I want to walk this through you. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little chaotic. But I'm, I'm here. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm here to just love on you and walk this with you.